Okay, now I'm going to ask you to do something odd. People do not, we don't, you know, we ever notice people say, I like change, but they're, most of them are lying when they say that. So I'm going to change something up on you this morning. I'd like you to stand up. Now, the reason I want you to stand up is 100% practical because you've been seated a long time. And if you're seated through the rest of my sermon, you will doze off. So one of the things, as I worked with the Kichwa people for many, many years, and that was you never, ever, ever sat down in church while God's word was read. It, it was deemed incredibly disrespectful. Now, we're not Kichwas. Some of you can't stand up or, or aren't, and it does, it's not disrespectful. So that's just part of my story. I had you stand up so you won't fall asleep on me. So I'm going to read from the book of Matthew, chapter 20. And I'll be reading verses 1 through 16. You can follow along or you can trust me, either of the two. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said, Because no one hired us. And he, he said to them, You also go into the vineyard and whatever is right you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers, give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those who came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. When they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things, or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few chosen. Father God, this morning as we look at your word, I ask that you will help me to focus, that you will help me to be honest, that your word would be blessed, and that your message would be encouraging to us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, you may be seated. Wow, you guys are really good. You would have stood there the whole time. Um, and now you heard Lydia's presentation. If you can't hear me, all right, you'll have to wave your hands or tell me to talk louder. That worked, didn't it? Um, and... You know, it's so nice that I'm not your pastor. So I can just say this, you know. So a long time ago I heard, uh, and it escapes me now who said it, but said all the problems of financing missions and other uh, things in the church could be solved if we did offerings a different way. And uh, they said, oh, what's that? And they said, well, we'd have everyone stand up, and then you would reach forward and take the wallet out of the pocket from the man in front of you, and you just 
pay the give it offering out of there and somebody else give your offering and everybody would be a little bit more uh, magnanimous with their money. So get your money out of your pocket. Sometimes I can be almost, and Lydia already knows this because she went, you're just never the same after you see extreme poverty. You are never the same. Hopefully we don't forget that and the things we buy and the way we use our money. Um, and so I want to encourage you to get involved. And Lydia, thank you very much. Incredible. Pictures and videos are worth a thousand words, aren't they? Well, this week I'd like to talk to you a little bit about dying. You know, we learn a lot about people when they're dying, don't we? When they're living, things are going along, it's okay. But as you're getting to the end, people often want to say the most important things. Now, my father was that way. I was still living overseas uh, when he passed away, but the last few times I saw him, there were several things he packed in. He told me what to expect after his death. That was the last conversation we had, and he was right on. One thing that he said to me, which uh, was very, made me smile, and I'm not forgetting it to this day, but I was spouting off one day about, you know, how things ought to be, and I was probably a little younger at the time, and, and he smiled, and he said, hey, Dan, yeah. He said, hold up your hand, would you? So I, I did. And he said, uh, my grandma used to tell me that you'll keep learning until all your fingers grow to be the same, same length. You think about it for a while, you'll get it. But when people are dying, we learn. In Christ's last week upon the earth, and we are now looking forward to Easter, so we're not going to talk about Abraham today, but in his last week on earth, he was with his disciples day and night, and he poured into them. You walk through those last days. We're going to look at that quickly, and we're going to have one focused message today. But we learn. I remember there was a missionary in Ecuador, and... Uh, he was diagnosed with cancer. He was fairly young. Made no sense in our mind. Named Bob Savage. And uh, his sons came. If I remember right, he had three sons. Could be two or three. But they, ca they came and all oh, they were lamenting. Oh, Dad, this is terrible. Oh, where's the justice of God in this? Oh, this is miserable. What the? And uh, when they got done, he smiled at me. He says, boys, listen to me. All these years, I've taught you how to live. Now watch me. I'm going to teach you how to die. I am a follower of Christ. And a follower of Christ knows where he's going and he knows how to die. And he did. The story is incredible. And Jesus did the same thing with his followers. On Friday, as we look at that last week of Jesus' life, he teaches. This is his story. And we're going to go back to this. They, they weren't there under the scrutiny of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were walking from Jericho. They were in the countryside. It was just his guys that he was pouring his life into. And he predicts his crucifixion. He tells them what's going to happen. And he says, this is no shock. Don't think for a minute that Jesus came and all of a sudden it's like, oh my, now the crucifixion had to happen. That was planned. And someone has said you could, uh, as the apple was still being crunched and eaten, the plans for Calvary were set in place. He taught them about serving, and he told them that 
he hadn't come to be served. He had come to serve others. On Saturday, the Sabbath day for the Jewish people, you know what Jesus did that day? He only had now six days to live. What did he do? Nothing. He observed the Sabbath. When I was in Israel, the guide that we had said, the Romans said when they came to Israel, they found two things. They found no other place on the planet. A sea that where you could float on top of the water, the Dead Sea, and I've done it, and you can't get down. And people that took one entire day off every week. They had found it no other place as they conquered in their empire. Today's Sunday. Now, we don't, we don't celebrate on Saturday. We celebrate on Sunday. Why don't you try to take a little time to do nothing today? It's kind of hard, isn't it? We run at 120 miles an hour, and then we say, now come Sunday, well, now we've, we've, gone for, we've gone to the other extreme, haven't we? Now on Sunday, well, I'm free to do whatever I like. I can get up early, and I can go out and work, and I can, I can plant, and I can harvest, and I can paint my house, I can mow my lawn. I don't have to listen to those old laws like Grandpa used to talk about. I don't know if Grandpa can see us here on earth. I don't really know how that all works, but I'm thinking that if he can, my Grandpa is laughing and saying, you're an idiot. We had one day where we didn't have to work like a dog, and now you guys have said, oh, yes, we can. You just watch me, and this is better. Take some time. Jesus had just that week, he took his friends, he went aside, and he observed the Sabbath. There's a big lesson there. On Sunday became the triumphal entry. And he walked into the city, and of course, next Sunday you'll be celebrating that with palm branches and the people all shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And they were the same ones that next week were saying, crucify him, crucify him. He didn't do it my way. But we celebrate it. And on Monday, Jesus, after the triumphal entry, cleans out the temple. And then he curses a fig tree. You can read about that in Matthew 21, 12 to 17. Why would he curse a fig tree? Now, if I get started on that, we'll be here a long time. That's not the point of the sermon today. But the tree didn't have any fruit. The fig tree is supposed to have fruit. So are you. So if, if you're following Christ and you're passionate and your relationship is where it should be, there will be fruit in your life. Now, we're not all apples. Some of us are pears, some of you probably are watermelon, but there's got to be fruit. I mean, none of us go out and plant in the spring. I grew up on the farm. My dad never went out and planted and said, boy, I sure hope nothing grows so I don't have to harvest this fall. Save money. Nobody does that. You plant a garden. How many of you plant gardens? Okay, you're, you plant gardens. I don't plant gardens. I had to weed the garden when I was a kid. I always had, I was the youngest, I always had to weed the garden. I have rhubarb. <laughs> it, it, it kills all the other weeds. 
I have rhubarb. You come by and we'll pick rhubarb together. I don't do it. But when you plant and garden and hoe and do all that stuff, well, some of you do it because you just love it, which I don't understand, but you do. But even I love it when it all grows. And so the Lord's saying, hey, fruit to the Israelites, to the old Jews, he was saying, the guys, you have had this for 2,000 years. Where's the fruit? And also to his disciples, he was saying, guys, there's supposed to be fruit. You just don't keep sucking it in. But today I want to talk about what I read about today, and that happened on that Friday. They're walking out on the road from Jericho. They're going up to uh, Jerusalem, and Jesus begins to teach, and he begins to tell them parables that all had a point. And, of course, you heard about it. But what you see there, and there are a lot of things we could focus on, I want to focus today on Jesus' passion for the forgotten. Now, mercy ships is, is the, you know, I, I couldn't have set it up better. Um, they have a passion for the forgotten. And Jesus had a, a passion for the forgotten. You can see it in the lepers that he touched, the prostitutes that he talked to, the woman with a hemorrhage. You can see his arm around Zacchaeus, the dirty little cheat that he was. And he wasn't worried about what other people said. He was passionate about grace. Now, grace, since I'm going to talk about it today, I want you to understand about it is grace is getting what you don't deserve. Now, way back when I was in Bible college, I had a good professor who said, now stop. If you get this lesson, you'll remember it the rest of your life, and it'll be a lot easier for you. They said that a lot, but this one stuck, and that is, we talk about grace and we talk about mercy. They're not the same thing. Now, I'll tell you a story about my oldest daughter, whose name is Natasha. Natasha has a rather strong will. She comes by it honestly. She also has a very quick tongue, which she comes by honestly. And I would tell her, Natasha, do not do such and such. For one, one thing, was do not lie. But it would be, don't do something. You understand me? Yes. Okay. If you do it, you will get three swats. Do you understand? I'd turn my back, go do something. She'd do it anyway. Okay, Natasha, come here. Sit down in the kitchen. She heard the drawer squeak in the kitchen. She knew the spoon was coming out. And she would look at me, and her lips would quiver, and she would have tears, and she would say, oh, Daddy, please, please, could I, could I have, instead of three, could I, could I just have one? And I normally would say to her, because she asked, well, yes, yes. I, well, actually, I, I, you can't have one, depending on the day, but you can have two. That's mercy. Natasha did not get what she deserved. We had agreed to three, hadn't we? Yes. And so now she's going to get, no, no, please give me, okay, I'll give you less than you deserve. That's mercy. Now, after she would 
cry and we would sit there together while she cried and and then I understood finally what my dad used to say to me which this hurts me worse than it hurts you which I thought was ridiculous but it's true and uh, then when she was done crying I'd say squeaks that's my nickname for her to this day I said squeaks how about we have some ice cream oh oh that'd be nice and uh, I'd get out a bowl of ice cream, we'd sit there and we'd eat that ice cream. Now that, that, that is great. She deserved two swads, three swads. Only got two, that's mercy. But the ice cream is great. She didn't ask for the ice cream. I just gave it to her. Why did I give it to her? Because I loved her and I wanted to. Today, we're talking about Jesus and his grace. And as we approach the cross, as we come up on Easter, our thoughts come and should focus down like a laser and say, Christ died on that cross for me. He didn't have to. He said, I'll go. And he tells his disciples that, that that's where he's going. And he gives them this lesson. Now, don't, don't miss this lesson. There's a landowner, and he goes out to hire some guys for a job. 6 a.m., he goes, and there are all the workers, and he picks the best ones, and off they go to the vineyard. Now, about 9 o'clock in the morning, he comes back, using our time, and he picks a few more. At noon, he does the same. At 3 p.m., he comes back for some more, and, uh, and then at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, workday ended at 6, there are a few guys standing around there, and, uh, and he picks them, and he says, hey, you, you go too. Okay, off they go. Well, the workers, and what you need to do here is compare the workers to you, and I need to compare the workers to me. When you go looking for somebody for a job, and now these days I have to hire people, and the other thing too, who do you think I want to hire for the job? You think I go looking for the worst candidate possible? Oh, fill out this job application, yeah. You show up for work? No, only usually a couple days a week. Oh, nice, I like that. Um, what are your expectations? $100,000 a year. Oh, starting pay? Yeah, hmm. yeah. I don't want that guy. Well, thank you for coming in. I'll keep your application. I write at the back of the stack. I'm looking for the best one. I'm not looking for the worst one. And so when you go out, you choose the best first. And then you kind of work your way down, you know, through the day. But those five o'clock in the afternoon workers are the worst ones. Nobody wanted them. Nobody hired them. It's kind of like you're back in school and it's time to pick for the foot, you know, the teams, and nobody wants Charlie. Somebody's got to take Charlie. I want Charlie. And I have a friend named Charlie Johnson. And uh, to this day, I mean, I, I don't imagine. Charlie rides motorcycles, and I think, I think you ought to be careful. 
because Charlie's not coordinated. He's a great guy. But he's not. And uh, but you don't you pick the the worst ones last. So then the, it comes down to and this is a lesson for what why did God choose you? Because he, he chose you. He he chose you to be his son. He chose you to die in your place on the cross. He would have died if you were the only person that ever walked on the face of the earth. Why, why did he choose you? Do you think he maybe chose you because uh, you're smart? Now, I'll bet there are some really smart people in this room. How many of you like to do algebra? Would you raise your hand? Okay, well, there's a couple. Anybody like to do Trigonometry, really advanced. Oh, see, there are a few. I'll pray for you. Um, now, my wife is that way. When they told me X is two, I said, I don't believe in lies. X is a letter. Two is a number. And I, I was done. And honestly, I'm just terrib I'm terrible at math. Now, you know, I can talk. I can do a lot. And my wife says, I don't even know why you're interested in that stuff. Math is just pure science. Yeah. Well, but do you think God chose you because you can do trigonometry? No, because God, of course, knows everything. So he didn't choose me because I'm good at history or I'm good at talking. He doesn't choose you because you're good at sports. He doesn't choose you because you're good looking. He doesn't, not, he doesn't choose you for any of those reasons. He doesn't choose you because you've got great willpower. You say, well, I just never quit. Maybe you should. Uh, God is all-powerful. He doesn't need your power. He doesn't need your money. He owns it all, everything you have. Why did he choose you? God chose you because he wanted to. He wanted to. He made you. He bought you. And he brought you home to his side. No matter how much time you've wasted, you are his, and he has a place for you. Now, it's not a long message today. Some of you in your lifetime have really, really messed up. You've really done some awful stuff that nobody knows about except your Savior. And he loves you anyway. I, I do, I, this morning I put something on Facebook and I put it, God loves you whether you like it or not. And he does. Now some of you have another problem and that is you've really never screwed up to the point that everybody hates you. So you have a hard time understanding what's the big deal here. And that's why sometimes I remember the story, and you know the story of the 99 lambs who were in the fold and the one that got lost, and, and the shepherd goes out and he saves that little lamb, and some of you have been that little lamb. It's been said that two weeks later, if we go back to the story, all the 99 would be over here, they'd be saying, hey, don't don't hang around with Blackie over there, because you know he, he, you know what he did, you know what he did, and he smells funny now, and that'll just never go away. 
is over to the edge of the hill on the other side. For the 99 can't see, here's Lackey resting in the arms of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I know it was awful. I know it was terrible. But I love you. And I'm calling you to be my son and my daughter in heaven. That's the grace of a loving God. And that's what Jesus was teaching his disciples that day. You see, all of us, whether we realize it or not, are those five o'clock workers. And, and Jesus came in his pure grace and said, I want you. I want you. So you think about that this week. There's a place for you. Not there. Not on the cross. Jesus already paid that price for you. Your place is right beside and right at the feet of the Lord Jesus, kneeling down and saying, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. Lead me home. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us, loving us enough to die for us. Thank you, Lord, for choosing us. Sometimes we feel that we weren't very choosable. Other times we feel okay. But, Lord, you always base your love on you and not on what we're doing. So, Lord, then help us to respond to that grace with fruit. Help us to tell others about the beautiful Savior that you are. Give us courage and wisdom to speak, and knowledge, Lord, to know when to speak and share that faith. So, Lord, today I raise up and pray for the folks gathered here today. I ask that you will bless them and that they will remember that you in their grace chose each and every one of them and that you know them by name. We'll give you the honor and glory for what you do, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Dan, um, as we get into the next few weeks, Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, and as we've talked about in the past, as we talk about leaving here and, and uh, establishing relationships with our peers, with our friends, with our workers, and sharing the gospel, encourage them to come. The relationships that you've been working on, encourage them to come to a Good Friday service. Encourage them to come to Easter service. Let them see what we're all about. Let them see where our hope lies. Let them see who we worship and that we can build a relationship and have an impact in their lives. So that would be what I encourage you with today as we go on our way. Thank you.